0: You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: Free Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Good news is it's Friday.
2: Hell yeah. What's
1: better news is we're live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. a Serving Calgary and Southern Alberta since 1992. Nothing but net, Georgie. At the bottom of the hour, um, Paul Jones, Raptors radio analyst, mm-hmm. uh, did some uh, TV work filling in for Matt Devlin. Jonas join uh, us. We'll mix in some football talk with Jonesy. Sure. And we'll also talk about why the Raptors didn't make any moves yesterday. Why? Very interesting. We
2: just got Pirtle the Turtle.
1: Now, uh, you told me something uh, during the break that it's rattled <laughs> me to my core. And now uh, we have to bring on our next guest. Yeah, we're going to talk about the Flames losing 2-1 in Detroit last night to the Red Wings. But we also talk about a specific thing that I just heard during the break. Let's bring him on the show on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline. We say good morning to Julian McKenzie, who covers the Flames for The Athletic. Hey, pal, how are you?
0: What it do, baby? There you go. <laughs> I'm doing good, you guys?
1: Uh, we're good. So apparently I found out this little nugget of information. That ska lives forever in my heart? Yeah, that and... Uh, tell the listeners and Julian McKenzie what's going on Sunday at the Dome.
2: There's a concert Sunday night at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. Thomas Rett. And uh, I only know this because I was chatting with some Saddle, Saddle Dome staff last weekend, and they were uh, lamenting the fact that, you know, it'd been a bit of a grind for them. And I said, well, at least, you know, you'll get, you know, two Roughnecks games next weekend, and then you'll get the Super Bowl off. And they said, no, there's a concert here. And I said, What? Oh, a concert on Super Bowl Sunday. Who who scheduled a concert on Super Bowl Sunday? And Sure enough, Thomas Wright has booked out the saddlebow.
1: And again, sorry, Julian, real quick. I know that we live in this sports bubble and we care about sports more than the average person does. But again, that's still mind blowing to me.
0: Yeah, like uh, uh, no disrespect to Thomas Wright. I, I don't know his music. I don't know. How popular they are, but the fact that they not only are they having a concert, they sold out. Like that's that. that when did yeah. they announce the concert? Was this announced like before we knew the Super Bowl was going to be placed that day? Is this not weird? Like I don't. I just assume that everyone shuts down that day.
2: I don't think this
0: is sold out. I I don't believe it's sold out. But and a, I so. just I want to add. Apparently, he's a huge football fan too. Really? Like, apparently, he's a huge football guy. Yeah.
2: So then, why would he attend t- t- the t- concert? It's got to be in the evening, right? Let me do a little.
0: It has well, to well, be, yeah. Well, but like, well, we'll think about it. Well, it's right? not because a child's concert in the day like where you bring six. all your
1: kids. Well, no, it's not the Wiggles.
2: Seven 730- thirty. No,
0: <laughs> seven
2: thirty. Bring the bar well, to well, you. What it, my th- tour.
0: Well, my thinking is, my thinking is, is that because the Super Bowl normally on Eastern time is at like six, mm. so a kickoff would be like four our time. Maybe the concert is supposed to coincide with the very end of the Super Bowl. Like that—that's how it has to work in my mind.
3: Hmm.
1: No, Super Bowl is like a four-hour broadcast. Julian, and it gets going at four thirty Calgary time.
2: Yeah, it's not going to end until like nine o'clock. <laughs> They're going to need like yeah, two like openers, the, the, and then he's going to come then. on. He's going to have like six beers in his belly from watching the game. Yeah, he'll be all sad because none of his bets hit, and he'll just play like the most average show ever for the crowd. I don't. I'm not going to rep the guy. But that's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's crazy good. to me. It's like some people in North
1: America have a wedding on Sunday because it's, like, literally the cheapest day of the year to have a wedding.
2: Yeah, well, it's also a nice way to make sure no one shows up. Yeah. That's another way to save some money, I guess.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it says Thomas Rhett doesn't come on the stage until 9.30 with two openers, LOL. Okay, but still, you have to, like, people will be in the the crowd. So I guess if you want to show up for him at 9.30, then... You're really living life because you watch the Super Bowl and then you go down to the dome and watch this concert.
2: And maybe you went rough next. Probably got to pull, watch a play party. the game too. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent.
1: All right, uh, crazy stuff. Uh, just the more the more you know every day on uh, the big show. Yeah, um, Flames lose two one last night. Like terribly outshoot the Red Wings, Julian. But did you really feel in any stretch of that game that the Flames looked dangerous?
0: No. I didn't really feel it. Um just it, but the the thing is is that it has happened quite frankly too many times this year where they go up against a team that they should beat. I, I get that the the red wings they're they're young core. they're I mean, they're quite a few points out of a playoff spot. But like the Flames should be able to beat these guys and and just at the, the fact that they've struggled to score they got the one goal from Blake Coleman you know you got to fight for those goals i get it they've re- they've they realize they have to 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 embody that style but it's it's not always the most entertaining to to watch when you know this team has the issues it has with scoring and it is all the more frustrating i think especially for fans when it comes against teams that i think if you look at both of them on paper you would think that the flames should be superior to the Red Wings. And I get that, you know, you can't beat everybody just on paper, but I imagine if you're a Flames fan throughout for what you've been enduring this year, seeing games like that, uh it's very frustrating.
2: What do you make of Huberto and Kadri playing together?
0: It's it's the best you could do right now because mm-hmm. Dupe and Toffoli is what you have. You don't want to break up that third line of of, of Majapahit, Backlund, and Coleman. I still think that if Brad Treliving gets a top six forward or a top nine forward, I think he has to get a forward who can play on that line with Huberto and Cotri. That's, that's just how I feel about it. I just think with Huberto, he's been, you know, we know what type of player he can be, at least what he showed in Florida in the early parts of the season two. I just feel like the last few games, it almost feels like, I mean, I don't have the the stats in front of me, unfortunately, so. But it just kind of feels like he's hit a bit of a wall. Like, I don't see him being nearly as dynamic as I think so many people have come to expect from him. And I really think, uh, if you're the Flames, you have to get that player going. And at this point, you have to go outside of of whatever options you have. God bless Jacob Peltier, who got pressed into that role. And he's doing some good things. I think he's he's justified in certain points, even in small spurts. Uh, why the, the team should at least take a chance on him and put him in the lineup. But I really think if they want success out of Huberto and Kadri together, I really think they could use a faster guy on that right-hand side, a guy who is able to score goals and and can be trusted to do so. Uh, someone who could help create space for Jonathan Huberto. I tried to make that point last night and, and a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you saw, but uh, Jack Hahn, who normally does a lot of great analysis around on Hockey Twitter, uh, he did a really great job of of just explaining why jonathan Huberto probably has not been nearly as effective as so many people would want him to be with the calgary flames and creating space for him is a big reason why like there's been so many instances where we see huberto along the boards he's trying to fight for the puck and he'll lose those those battles a lot but if he's in a situation where he's able to enter the zone he has a little bit of space someone else is able to take out some of those other uh, attacking forwards and kind of give him that room to maneuver that could help so i i really think if you're if you're brad for living and you're going to tap into the trade market which I think they they ultimately kind of have to you have to get someone who can play with Huberto and Cadre, or at least with Huberto I think that should be the goal in mind
1: Julian we're hearing a lot from from fans in the city of the team saying that uh Huberto's not Huberto because he has to play for Daryl Sutter is that an excuse is there something
0: to that um that's a good question because yeah, I, I really feel with the it's kind of funny because the style that Huberto is playing now uh, one thing that uh, people have also remarked on top of the fact that Huberto offensively is not doing all that great his defensive metrics have been good and like like that that has actually been an improvement one of the biggest knocks on Huberto last year was that yes he has all of this offense but his defense was very much lacking but all of a sudden now in this system his defense is better but he is about to be paid like you know like a like the 100 point player he was last year um it, it's one of those mixed things where there's some good but the fact that huberto can't get himself going offensively at least at a consistent point that has to be concerning especially when you've already signed him to an extension where you're going to be paying him over 10 million per like that's like there's like you have to find a way that and that's why i mentioned my earlier point like at this point, you like you have no choice. You have to get him going, or else you're stuck with a with a player uh, who people are going to label overpaid, essentially,
2: so I'm intrigued as we approach the deadline and the flames continue to be in this spot where they bounce in and out of a wild card spot. What is what what would you give up? Would you give up first round picks? Would you give up top prospects? Would you give up middle middle round picks? middle prospects? like what type of stuff would you be willing to part with understanding a a realistic mm, kind of scope of how this season could end.
0: Man, like, if I I, I am team uh, them picks, uh, you can guess what the cough is for. But, like, the problem with this team is that, like, unless you're able to get Timo Meyer and you're able to sign him long-term, uh, Bor Horvat might have been also a vital option if he was still available. Unless it was for, like, a top-quality player, I don't necessarily get the Flames offloading a first-round pick at least for this year, considering how deep this draft is supposed to be. Right, like if you're able to make a move where fine, you part with a roster player, but there's some salary being moved here, and maybe that alleviates you in some way. Maybe that helps, but that might be more of a point if you're selling. Right, I think if you're if you're Brad, uh, I think you try. You're basically going to try to find guys on the cheap, guys with a little bit of term or if they have a little bit more money to them, you're thinking that by deadline day you should have more cap space to accommodate those types of players. Uh, I've been saying for a couple of weeks just I think it would make a lot of sense, even if it was a big risk, if the Flames acquired a guy like Anthony Duclair who has shown that he could score 30 goals in this league. He has some quickness. When Jonathan Huberto had his career best season last year, he did it alongside Sam Bennett and Anthony Duclair. Yes, there was some time with Alexander Barkov too, but Bennett and and Duclair are the two guys he's played the most with. And I think Duclair could also help in terms of creating some of that space for Huberto and creativity. And also uh, another point that I was talking about with another colleague too, chemistry has been this big buzzword around this team uh, for a good chunk of the season. Why not acquire a guy – who has some familiarity mm. with one of the more one of the bigger pieces on this team? Whether it's him, I get James Van Riemsdyk has also been thrown out there. And while I get some people look at the cap hit and they're like, ah, it's too much, but like maybe Philly can retain some salary. Plus, if you just have have him as a rental, you might not have to give up that much—a mid-round pick, uh, a lower-level prospect. I, I, that's where I think Brad is probably going to ultimately end up in this. I don't see him uh, being in a position where he feels, you know what, I need to go all in. Let me throw in all these big picks. Let me throw in all these big prospects because I don't think the team has shown them enough to do that. But I also think because of the fact that uh, this team with the contracts they've signed for Huberto and Kadri and, and Uyghur, they kind of have to go for it. So they they essentially have to do something. So that that's how I see it. Probably mid, lo, mid-lower mid prospects if you can, mid-lower draft picks if you can. Like I I, I Unless there's a player that really is going to knock their socks off and they know they can retain – even with the complicated salary structure that they might have, I don't see them moving that first-round pick.
1: Julian McKenzie covers the Flames for The Athletic, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest. Hotline Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. I know that, obviously, this this draft is loaded with prospects. That's why the Flames didn't give up a first till 2025 in the Monahan deal, because they covet this draft so much. But I hear that even last night on the post-game show, Julian, I hear that, well, has this team earned the right for tree living to go out there and make a deal to improve this team. Should they give up assets? But at the same time, I don't think this team's in position or this organization's in a position where they even remotely think of missing the playoffs as an option. Because when you look around the Pacific division, it's obviously the weakest division in the NHL. And if they just get into the dance and if they play a first round series outside of maybe the Oilers, They'll probably be favored against a Seattle, a Los Angeles, or a Vegas without Mark Stone in round one.
0: And therein lies the problem, I think, for maybe not a problem, but a dilemma if you're Brad for Living, right? Because you're trying to keep it close to the chest in terms of saying if you're going to be a buyer, if you're going to hold firm or whatever. But I also think in terms of whether or not you should reward this team and, and really go out and, and get a big piece, it's 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 a bit tough to justify with how this team has played uh, just throughout this, this stretch of the season, I get their goal is to make the playoffs and they've made that known from day one, but I don't know, like I, 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 and considering the future too. And again, that, that salary gap, right? Even if they're going to have guys like Milan Lucic off of the books, like with all those extensions coming in, if they acquire that big piece next year for, for this year, they have to already think about next year and think, okay, well, who are we going to move out? Like that's a lot of work for them to do. I mean, that's also assuming if Brad Trilliving is going to be there to deal with that, because that's a whole other story in itself, right? Like, I, I really think just with the way this team is just built right now and the way that they've looked and 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 how how some of those contracts will look in the next few years, like, I really feel like the Flames, they have to do something. But depending on where they're at, uh, that really is going to depend on, on on the level of how much they could really do or the much they would really want to do. At the deadline. And I tried to make that point in my in my latest column for the athletic. But yeah, it's it's I, I think a loss like what they endured yesterday against Detroit, it makes that decision of whether or not you should go for it or whether or not you should reward the team all the more harder. But I'll say this I am not on the team that says they should start selling those assets. I don't know if you guys have seen a lot of people say that, you know, this team should start selling pieces and 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 just kind of move on. Like I feel like it kind of made your bed. With with extending Daryl Sutter for two years and extending Jonathan Huberto and Mackenzie Weegar and signing the deals for Nelson Cadre, unless you yeah. know a team that has all this cap space that is looking to contend, yeah, uh, and you're you're able to offload those pieces, like you kind of have to go for it.
2: I'm I'm intrigued to see how this thing plays out the rest of the season. The way I see it, the Flames should probably try and get in those top three spots in the Pacific rather than a wild card. This is a team that's 9-3-2 and against the Pacific Division. They still have 12 games left against Pacific Division opponents the rest of the way. But the question is, who of the teams that they're chasing do you see falling out? The Golden Knights? The Kings? Do you see a hole in the Oilers or the Kraken?
0: the funny thing is like i i don't know if it's necessarily going to be because of performance it might have to be because of injuries like uh the vegas golden knights like they logan thompson suffered an injury last night and and you have to wonder like okay like what like how serious is that injury do they take a step back with with uh, not to mention mark stone also right he's he's out for some time right like it's a bit of a serious bit of an interesting situation over there i'm still looking at la to see if they're going to fall off or not and in seattle i mean Lot we we I think we all think they're going to be a playoff team, but what if something happens in the final quarter of the year for them? The Oilers got a point yesterday against the Philadelphia Flyers and it threw a shootout. Um, it's a I think if you're the Flames and if you find yourself in a position where you continue to start and stop pretty much since like December mid December, uh, even if they've had a lot of stretches of games where they've looked good, I don't think they've won more than like two out of time. And overall, throughout this year, they have not won more than three at a time. And if they're going to continue to do that, it means they're going to have to hope that these teams above them in the division are going to have to fall off, whether because of injuries or fatigue or just just overall performance. And I got to admit, like, if you're the Flames and you're the Flames fan and you have to hope that teams above you are are going to just suck for the whole way through, that's not the greatest feeling either. Like, you, you want this team to, per- to overperform, right? Like, I... I, I, I think that's kind of that kind of sucks a little bit to be like you've gone through this whole year painstakingly and you get into the playoffs because Edmonton also had just as bad of a year, if not worse.
1: Yeah. Um, and again, nobody wants to see this team to miss the playoffs. That's just bad news for everybody uh, in this city. Just get right. into the dance, because as I have mentioned on the show, There's flashes where I look at this team and I go, they're dangerous in the playoffs. Just go back and watch that Friday night game before the break against the Kraken and watch that Saturday afternoon game against the Lightning. Like, those are two Picassos put together by this team that if they can put that energy and that effort uh, into the Stanley Cup playoffs, this team's dangerous. But you got to get there. And again, I've been harping on this the whole time. You got to add some scoring to the top six because last night was another prime example of a team that just, quite frankly, didn't look dangerous and just real quick Julian we really got to run how crazy is the Rasmus Anderson injury the dude gets hit by a car while on a scooter like who had that on their flames bingo card this season
0: Uh, outside of the devil nobody else like that's it
1: like it's it's insane like it's
0: insane that that actually happened to the flames best defenseman seriously and like if you look at talk to if you see how flames fans are just reacting it's just like oh just another thing to add to <laughs> this terrible season yeah that we got going on it's just like oh you know this guy can't score we can't do all that oh our best defense gets hit by a car in all seriousness <laughs> I'm relieved that he's okay yes, uh, yes. My- I heard, I heard, yeah I heard some audio from from guys like Noah Hannafin and and uh I think Andrew much might have said something too I know Hannafin did uh Michael Backlund did for sure um, and, and they seem pretty relieved at the fact that, you know, he's okay. Ooh. I think Backlund got a selfie from, from Rasmus, uh, from the hospital. And I think he ended up at the hotel later that night and he's still at the team and who knows what, what what it'll look like for Saturday. But, uh, the biggest thing is that he's, he's okay. He's day to day, but he's okay. Yeah. Hopefully it's something we can all laugh
1: about when he's back on the ice and, uh, being a big time member. Of this team, Julian McKenzie, covers the Flames for the Athletic. Enjoy the morning start tomorrow, pal. Thanks for this. All right, you too, guys. Peace. There he goes. Julian McKenzie on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, using the same secret recipe since 1975, down in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast, Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. All right, straight ahead, the Raptors radio analyst uh, for Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto, done some TV work covering for Matt Devlin. Paul Jones will join us straight ahead. We'll talk a little Super Bowl with them and we'll ask him why the Raptors didn't do anything at the trade deadline. We'll wrap up the week with Jonesy. It's the big show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
2: Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast.
0: While you're there, please rate and review the show.
1: Friday, it's the Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, downtown studio. At the top of the hour, more Big Show, Big Show Bueno, Big Show Plus, Big Show Extra, Big Show XL. Big Show Espanol. Uh, with uh, Patrick and Alex takes over. They have John Hodge, CFL reporter at Three Down Nation at the top of the hour. And they are also give away that $500 gift card to our one of our five qualifiers at the Charm Diamond Center. So uh, our more big shows straight ahead at 9 o'clock with Patrick and Alex. But right now, uh, Raptors radio analyst for Sportsnet 590, the fan co-host to Smith and Jones on Sportsnet 590, the fan also dabbled in some TV work, did a great job. Pinch hitting for one Matt Devlin. We say good morning to Paul Jones. Jonesy, how are you?
3: I'm good, George. Great to hear your voice, man. And remember, next year is the year for my Browns. Next. Okay, year.
1: next year huh, uh, is the year. <laughs> That's right. It's, it's next year. It's always next year.
3: I sound like a Cubby fan for 102 years, right? Yeah. Next year is our year. Is it next year yet?
1: <laughs> uh, it could be. And and Joe Thomas getting into the Hall of Fame, I think uh, deservedly so, after playing over 10,000 consecutive snaps in the NFL, which is absolutely absurd. I want to get your thoughts real quick on the Super Bowl here. Um, I'm getting a little nervous because, to me, I think I was I had the um, same feel as a lot of people. The Eagles roster is so deep, and they just look like the team that, that can beat the Chiefs. On Sunday, but at the same time, and all the public's betting on the Eagles minus two, I just feel like maybe not the smartest idea to go against Reed and Mahomes on Sunday, Jonesy.
3: Yeah, and that's just it. it's It's kind of like you know back in the day, the numbers say that uh, you know Kobe didn't have the best team, but they had Kobe and I, I'll never forget right I'll never forget being at the NBA Finals the one year. And somebody connected with the Miami Heat when they were, you know, playing Oklahoma City and they had Harden and Westbrook and Durant. And I I said, you know, in in, in my best analytical line of, of interrogation, I said to him, what's the difference in this series? What do you think the difference is going to be? And without a word of a lie, he turned and looked me in the eye and said, we freaking got LeBron James and they don't. Yeah. Mm. And, and, and that's what I would look at. Like uh, Jalen hurts has been terrific, but this is not Patrick Mahomes first birthday party. And I just, <laughs> I just don't know if you, you bet against him. Like Travis Kelsey just seems like he's always open when it's important. And Mahomes is playing sometimes like he's in the schoolyard. Oh, I'm just waiting for him to sling it behind his, his back. He's, he's running and he's shoveling it he's pitching it he's and the guy just makes winning plays and you can take all your stats and your numbers and throw them out the window um, i just find it hard to bet against them so i i'm if i had a dollar to bet george i would put it on on uh, on mahomes and andy reed and maybe the uh maybe the student hasn't learned anything everything from the master when you look at, uh, you know, Suriano and, and Andy Reid,
1: Um should be a great game on Sunday. Jones, I just quickly want to ask you about LeBron James, obviously breaking the all time scoring record, which felt like an unbreakable record, but he did it. Uh, he's now the NBA's all time leading scorer. And I know that the Jordan and LeBron uh, debate just rages on, and it, it obviously hit another fever pitch on uh, Thursday or Tuesday night when he broke the record. But can LeBron James be the best basketball player of all time and not be the GOAT? Because I think that, I think yeah, that's how yeah, I feel about it. True. Like, you're yeah, right, he's, you're, he's you're the right. best all-around basketball player I've ever seen, but he's not the GOAT, which seems counterintuitive.
3: No, you're right. You're right. And, and I think it's so hard to compare across eras. Um, if things have improved, like the, the nutrition, the training. Like, all you have to do is watch an NBA game now with not everybody wearing suits and ties. And count all the quarter zips behind the bench where there's like nine coaches and, you know, five therapists and and massage people. Like it's just, it's, it's a different era. It's, you know, like the NFL, you know, my, my, my late father used to say this when, you know, everybody was talking about Gronkowski, he goes, well, you know, John Mackey and Mike Ditka could have did that back in the day. If you didn't hold them and grab them and, and the rules were different. So it's really tough to compare across eras. That's a good way to put it, George. He could be the best. He has been in an era that has allowed him to demonstrate mm-hmm. his skills as the best all round player. And I'm going to say this as a guy who's been following this game for, for 52 years. If you look at Victor Wembanyama now, that's what Kareem could have been in this era. 7-3, handle the ball. Go and look, I, I challenge everybody, go and look at Kareem's one three-point shot made in his career. Yeah, He looked insane. like Kevin Durant when he shot it. Yeah. In the corner, perfect rotation, clean, like swish. And I'm thinking, like, he could have done that all the time. If, you know, a big guy wasn't allowed to dribble the ball more than two times, they'd be yelling, give it to a guard, give it to a guard. Now you have guys at 6'10", 6'11", running your offense, so... Um, the era has allowed LeBron to demonstrate his great all-around play, but you know, and I, I, I bring it back to what you know in the goat debate. My drop the mic line is: we know how hard it is to win a championship. We know how hard it is to win two championships in a row, back to back. Well, Michael won three in a row, twice. Yeah, and and he was the lead dog pulling the sled. Every time, six times to the finals, six wins, six finals MVPs. And, you know, people talk about, well, you know, LeBron was great in game seven. I saw a meme the other day when Michael Jordan said NBA finals, what's game seven? <laughs> Never had one. Never had one. Like there's all of these things. And, and the ultimate George, when it, to me, it comes down to winning. If you had one game, one series to win, line up the people you were going to pick. I love LeBron, but I he's not at the top of my list.
1: Yeah. And and go back, you talk about eras. Go back and watch when Jordan had a play against the bad boy Pistons, where he was literally getting punched underneath the basket.
3: Everything was a every every foul on him in the playoffs was a flagrant what we would call a <laughs> flagrant one now. <laughs>
2: Just some of the most yeah. egregious stuff oh, yeah. we've seen. Uh, it was a relatively quiet trade deadline for the Raptors. I'm just intrigued as to who you see as this team's core moving forward with some questions on some veteran players uh, that maybe weren't moved at the deadline.
3: Um, well, Scotty and Pascal for the for, for those two right now. And then we'll see what happens in the summer. There's a lot of angst in Toronto around and hand, hand-wringing consternation around, oh, there were they should have been sellers and there were no moves made. Well, I I think this team is underperforming. I think they're better than they've shown. And they may not as be, be as good as where they were last year when they finished fifth, but maybe they are. And you're only a year removed from the lottery. I mean, people people gotta pump the brakes. They have to like align their expectations with things. Two years ago they were going in the tank in Tampa last year, even with, you know, it's still playing in front of half full arenas and people weren't even sure that they drafted the right guy in Scotty Barnes for the first six, eight, ten weeks of the season. And then you finish fifth in, in in the East and really are, you know, a couple minutes away from from taking Philadelphia to to uh you know to a game seven after you go down three oh and and I just think people need to align their expectations a little bit differently and, and, and you need to be patient. In this microwave society that we live in, everybody wants the quick fix. Everybody wants it. And you're not going to get it. You just, you don't win with young players like that. You don't, you don't come out of the lottery and then, you know, go to the finals next year, unless you're golden state, who, by the way, went from the play into the finals because they had, all-time greats, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green. Uh, you know, they added a couple of pieces like Andrew Wiggins. Kevon Looney plays his role. That, 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 that doesn't happen all the time. And so I think, you know, everybody wringing their hands about the Raptors not doing anything, wait till the summer. I, I, I'm so, in, and I've been saying this long before the deadline, Masai's patient. Wait till the summer. Those deals will still be there. Oh, yeah, you got yesterday. Let's say you trade for two second-round picks. You don't know what those picks are. You make that trade on draft day, you know that that pick is number 36 and number 41. And I just go back to the Norman Powell deal. They worked him out. They thought he could be a second-round pick. When Milwaukee picked him at 48 or whatever, they said, okay, we'll put Grievous Vasquez and these people together in that deal, and we'll take Norm. Because they knew what he was and where he was, I just think you wait till draft day, which is the other trade deadline day. Things are way uh, way clearer, they crystallize more, your sign and trades are are open. Um, and in the meantime, play it out with this team and see what you have. Some guys will play better from now till the end of the year, and it might increase their stock when you look to make deals in June.
1: Raptors radio analyst for Sportsnet 590, the fan co-host of Smith and Jones, Paul Jones, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Barcast Hotline Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Jonesy, yeah, I know that 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 newsery yesterday with Masai Ujiri uh, was a little weird, and you don't really see him kind of kind of like that. Uh, kind of a, a weird vibe around that whole thing, and I know a lot of GMs have said in a lot of sports. Don't fall in love with your players. Is maybe Masai a little guilty of this? Masai and Bobby Webster with the current roster.
3: Uh, I think I think it's a patience thing, George. I don't know if it's it, it, if it's falling in love with them. I think it's a patience thing to get a proper evaluation. Um, you know, there, there are times when you, you know, you think you know a guy, you trade him away, and all of a sudden he turns into something else for somebody, um, and and you don't maybe you don't get a full and proper evaluation on them. And I, I don't know if it's necessarily falling in love with their guys, but making sure they know exactly what they have, what they need, and what they're getting rid of or looking for when they put a guy in a deal.
2: Paul, uh, do you believe that we're going to see Fred Van VanVleet coming back to uh, join this team next year? We know he's got the option.
3: Uh, I, I'm, I, I would be surprised if Fred doesn't opt out to yeah. try and get more money. Uh, but that doesn't mean he he you know he's definitely going to leave Toronto again it depends on what's out there It depends on the market um, you know could he come back? yes could he be a candidate for a sign and trade yes uh, and and you know they people say well you know he could leave in free agency well you own his bird rights so you can sign him for the extra year a five year deal as opposed to a four year deal with the free agent and you can and and in that with that fifth year comes more money. So if the team really wants him uh, and Fred is, you know, in lockstep with this team, he'll say, hey, let's put a little more money on it uh, by doing a sign and trade with Toronto. And again, it does not preclude him from coming back. So, uh, I mean, I think, you know, the future, there's a, a bet on yourself attitude that Fred always has, but that doesn't mean Toronto's necessarily out of the mix.
1: really weird. Um, I don't know if it was weird, but we know the five's been a big hole on this team for years. Um, I was even surprised that Jakob Pertl made his way back to Toronto. What were your thoughts on the deal?
3: Uh, Look, George, I mean, people have been uh, a lot of people that watch the Raptors have been um, uh, you know, crying for the Raptors to have a more conventional center. And I think they have a, a young one in Christian Coloco, but the, the operative word there is he's young he's still learning uh and the nba game is way different from the college game you go and get the Jakob Purl now you kind of address that need and um you do need a guy like that and i'm not necessarily saying to be in your starting lineup but you look at uh when you play an Embiid, uh when you play you know, a Jokic, Uh, you just look at what uh, Ivica Zubac did to the Raptors when he played the Clippers, you you know, he looked like a Hall of Famer with 23 points and 16 rebounds, you do need a big body to match those guys, and now, you know, the Raptors have it, so, um, there was a bit of a hole, George, but, you know, like I always say, this isn't, this isn't, you know. Iowa basketball in the 60s where three kids play offense and three kids only play defense. Mm-hmm. You got to guard those people at the other end of the floor and with the with the you know the the long angular athleticism of some of the Raptors, maybe little thinner front court guys, they're tough to guard, you know, Pascal, Precious. Like those those guys you know make it tough. You, you look at Boucher and the energy he brings. They just don't have the bulk and the size and now they have it with Pert.
1: Paul Jones, Raptors radio analyst for Sportsnet five ninety fan, co-host of Smith and Jones. Uh, Jonesy, real quick, what's on the menu for the Super Bowl at the Jones household on Sunday?
3: Uh, well, we're not we don't we don't do the big party, George, because it's like the NCAA tournament in the Final Four. You have a party, and you have non-sports people, non-basketball, <laughs> non-football people. I'm watching the game, George. I'm watching the Focused. game when it's when it's third and four and he goes into the shotgun, I'm like, watch a shovel pass. It could be a could be a quarterback draw. I don't want somebody saying, "What's a shovel pass?" Like, no, no. Like, it, like I'm not, I'm not doing that. So we're the people that are there watching will be, they'll be hardcore. They'll be hardcore. We'll be breaking it down, and uh, of course, there'll be food and uh, a few beverages.
1: Okay, uh, I love it, uh, Jonesy. Let's do this again soon. Thanks, pal.
3: Great to hear your voice, George.
1: There he goes, Paul Jones, the best, super nice guy. Oh, jeez, great he to is. hear your voice. Yeah, he's super nice. That's very kind of him. Again, we had to talk a little Raptors. Little Raps. They didn't do anything
2: on the deadline. Back. I wonder how Raptors fans are feeling about the team. Like the, because how far are we from Masai Ujiri going? Playing for what?
1: Yeah, I know, and and I know we don't talk a ton of basketball on this. Station because uh, you don't want to hear a lot of it. Although there are some people who text hey. in and are appreciative of the basketball. It's talk. a
2: growing fan base.
1: Sure, it is. And again, especially with the team, a basketball team coming to Calgary. Sure, surge starts in May. Yeah, like it's it's something. But the East, if you just look at the Raptors as currently constructed, even with Jakob Pertle, like can you even remotely compete with the Celtics and the Bucks? You can't.
2: Like that's the thing with the play-in tournament. I'm like, it's great. Even the Sixers. It's great for cashing some money if you're the league, but Yep. The NBA was already a league where the first round was basically irrelevant because if you were a bottom 4 seed you would get you know you'd be lucky to push it to 5 games in most instances. Yeah. Right? It's a superstar driven league and those teams at the top usually had all the superstars. And if you're down below, yeah. You got to really gut it out, real team effort. Everybody's got to be pulling the rope the same way. You got to have a lot of things fall in the right direction and the NBA is just one of those leagues that in a 7 game series, if you're that much of an underdog, good luck. Yeah. And if you get past the first round, then what? Then you get slaughtered.
1: Yeah. But that's why the first round of the NBA playoffs blows because uh a lot of the favorites just blow the doors it, off the lesser late. It's
2: like the opposite of the NHL. Like the yeah, conference it is. finals of the NBA, I'm like, "Sign me up." You yeah. basically watch super teams face each other. Right. And then in the NHL, it's like, "Give me the first round where it's, it's the four best. games. You got 10 hockey every to night, to midnight. Rocking. And you're just mainlining it. Yeah, incredible. Um, I'm excited for the playoffs already. Is the deadline come yet?
1: What yeah. day is it? Um, February tenth. Yeah, we still. The deadline will be
2: around the corner, though. It's getting there. It's inching closer. What are um, we? Three weeks exactly? One, two, three. Bingo. There we go. It's on a Friday. The deadline. It yep. is this year. It's on a Friday. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah,
1: and it, thankfully the Sportsnet broadcast is getting uh, going at uh, eight a.m. Calgary time instead of six a.m. Calgary time. I think they've all learned that, it's you know, we pointless. should come on at like 9 a.m. Yeah. Now, yeah. 8 a.m. Eastern is not a good idea. No, it's dumb. Still feels too early. Yeah, it, it does feel too early. I think they can go noon Eastern, 10 Calgary I also, time. You're fine. And I also what
2: you, is it? Was one o'clock Calgary time the deadline or is it yes. three o'clock?
1: It's three o'clock Eastern, one o'clock okay. Calgary time.
2: I also think the deadline's too late
1: in the year. I, I like when the mm. NBA trade deadline is. Well, they, it gives you t- It gives teams more of an opportunity to bring these guys in and have them work into their system. I don't know. You get March, so you got like a month and some change to figure things out. And for half these guys, they might it's they're out in the first round.
2: I don't know the the basis, you know, with where the NBA All Star Game lands and all that type of stuff. But I know the NHL trade Next deadline week? is basically like three quarters exactly through the season, like seventy five percent. So NBA is what sixty percent through the season, something like that.
1: But again, with with the NHL, because of the dreaded three point games. Like Gary yeah. loves his three point games, and yeah. he likes his fake playoff races. Mm-hmm. Again, it just does it make teams more a buyer or a seller three quarters into the season?
2: Harder to say at
1: this point. Like, what what are the Canucks doing? They're obviously they sold Bo, Bo Horvat, but they got Anthony Bavillier back.
2: Yeah, but I don't know if that's a buy. That's a sal- right. that's a salary cap move more sure. than anything. Sure. And uh, but uh, like, you need guys that are going to play.
1: Yeah. But if you're a team like the Buffalo Sabers yeah, you're, like, maybe you can get into the playoffs. Like, how aggressive do you really want to be here?
2: Like, the other thing for me, and, and, like, you know, just if we want to pick one team and talk about the example, like, okay, if you're the Sabres, like, I'd still contemplate moving out any of the UFAs. I wouldn't be worried about still trying to make a push but, if I moved out of but again, Stewart, ev- every or Every
1: market is different. Yeah, 100%. Because, like, in Buffalo, even, even like, ticket sales have gone way down because they're so tired of the team being so terrible just, under Terry Pagula's ownership. Like this team just getting in would be a huge massive for them. Massive. So in that sense, playoffs. I
2: wouldn't, I wouldn't, but you bring up a great point. Like you said, varies market to market. It absolutely does.
1: Like, and again, a lot of people on our text line and even on the post game show last night, talking tough that this team doesn't deserve uh, for the management to give up assets to improve this team. Sure. But what's the alternative? You're going to miss the playoffs here. Yeah, you just... Right, like, everyone's talking tough about hold on to assets. Well, that's great, but you want to miss the playoffs in a division where you can actually probably make some noise in the postseason? Like, you want to turn down a potential battle of Alberta in round two mm-hmm. because you didn't want to give up, you
2: know, Jacob Peltier Well, and this is a team that it doesn't have pieces to sell. Like, it doesn't have a bunch of UFAs that are going to be yeah. highly coveted. Yeah. Milan Lucic is basically it. Yeah. So... What are your options here? Sure. And Push, again, yeah, because what
1: what what's the temperature of the city going to be like if this team misses the playoffs?
2: Well, it hopefully it will be golf temperature. That would be okay, my hope. Well, so at but, least we have that.
1: Again, I hear a but lot of tough talk about don't go out there and spend on rentals. Only grab guys with term. But the alternative is missing the playoffs, and you, and I don't think that's an option here. I really don't.
2: I guess, but I also don't think going out and getting to you know a we we've gone through this so much. Patrick Kane's not coming here, I don't think. He'd have to waive a no move.
1: I don't think he's leaving Chicago to be honest. And with you.
2: frankly, as the days go on, I don't know if. And apparently, has
1: on. a hip issue that he's been dealing with for years.
2: Yeah, which like, and everyone's talking about how it's hampered him a lot. Like, yeah, you listen to the insiders; they say, hey, even players are talking about like this guy does not look normal. So, is a team going to give up a first round pick in a rich draft for a guy that's? Got a wonky hip Being that's cobbled- probably going to need to get operated yeah, on. Cobbled together with chewing gum and sticky tack, like. Yeah. Hard to say. I don't know. Enjoy your weekend, though. It's
1: going to be fascinating. Safe travels. Uh, straight ahead on uh, more Big Show. Uh, Alex and Patrick will give away uh, for our five qualifiers the five hundred dollar gift card to our good friends at Charm Diamond Centers, and we'll talk to John Hodge, CFL reporter, Three Down Nation. It's it for us. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Should be fun. We're going to break it down. On Monday, enjoy the Flames game tomorrow morning. We'll talk to you Monday. Bye. Bye.